it's time for Dodger Hello and welcome to episode three of Dodging Sleep, the podcast for Dodgers fans in the UK who this week spent far too much money buying World Series merchandise. This week we'll be looking back over the last seven days in Dodgers baseball, discussing Trevor Bauer's balls, debating the Kenny Jansen conundrum and the upcoming games for the boys in blue this week. Uh, my name's Leon and joining me this week we have Ian uh, Blees. How's it going mate? Really good thanks mate, good to see you again. Excellent and uh, also joining us uh, back off the IL which for the purposes of this podcast will be known as the Ian List is Ian Carlson. How's it going, mate? Yeah, it's very good, thanks. Very good. Glad to be back on Viola, as you say. Looking okay. forward to it. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, so, yeah, we'll, what we'll do, we'll jump straight into uh, the story so far, where we'll have a look back at the uh, the last week in Dodger baseball. Um, since we last recorded, the boys in blue have uh, successfully finished an opening uh, weekend against the Rockies. Uh, have taken the series against the A's in Oakland by two games to one, and have also won the first two games at Dodger Stadium against the Washington Nationals. Uh, the results so far have been good, uh, the, um, despite the offence not necessarily firing on all cylinders in the last couple of games. Uh, we've also seen Mookie, uh, Betts and Cody Bellinger out of the lineup since the Oakland series. Uh, Mookie with back tightness and Cody Bellinger has landed up on the uh, the, the proper IL uh, with a bruised calf after a collision at first base. Um, so Ian, yeah, we've been pretty lucky this week with the game times in the UK. Um, so what have you made of performances over the last, uh, last seven days? Well, I think, yeah, you know, one thing that we have to look at is... Um... No Mookie, no Cody, and I think no problem, really. Um, I mean, these are two absolute megastars uh, who any team should be reeling without, uh, and we've been able to do a great job of getting the results anyway um, over the last over the last week. Um, you know, I think unsurprisingly, there was probably a bit of a hangover from the ring ceremony against uh, against Washington and and the, the home opener. Well, you know, one. 1-0 uh, was the final score. Uh, I think I'm right in saying that we got five hits and Justin Turner got three of them uh, in that game. Um, so, you know, perhaps something to bear in mind for next time we win the World Series, uh, that the guys uh, might be a little bit sluggish after they've uh, after they've worn themselves out carrying the diamonds around. Um, but generally speaking, I think there's a lot of positives uh, from what I've seen this week. I think the uh, the pitching, starting pitching, has been pretty strong. Um, obviously, we, we dropped a game to Oakland, uh, which I know we're going to come on to later on. Um, but we did drop a game to Oakland. Uh, starting pitching was strong. We Story of our season so far, we've not quite scored as many runs as we, as we should do. We're getting plenty of runners on base and not quite bringing them home. Um, but I guess that's a good way to lose a game. We're only, we're only a hit or two away from scoring three or four more runs. So I think it's been, I think it's been a really positive week yeah I think you did touching on the uh, the runners on base it seems sort of almost in the two games that we've played and lost so far we've we've perhaps beaten ourselves um I mean in particular the game in in, in Colorado uh, the first week um where we had so many runners on base it seems you know every inning it seems you know two or three men on base is, is do you think that's a concern going forward do you think it's something that's going to iron itself out oh I, I mean I'm not overly concerned, you know. I, I, I think it's uh, historically we've we've had four games where the offense has just not turned up, um, and I suppose uh, you know I suppose it's the, it's the Jacob Degrom uh, situation of you know you've you've got great pitching and and if the offense doesn't show up, it doesn't count for anything. And historically, we've we've had a few games like that. Certainly over the last few years, while we've been winning the league comfortably, um, certainly early in the season. Um, we've we've not we've not converted particularly well, um, and we've had a few shockers in, in recent seasons against the Giants, against the Padres at this stage of the season. Um, so I'm generally quite encouraged that runners are getting on base, uh, and, I, and I'm not worried that it's going to be that we're going to have a, a clutch problem, if you like, down the line. You know, I think um, we know we've got a couple of players who are better in those situations than uh, than others. But for the most part, I'm pretty comfortable that we'll that we'll just start making those chances count when everyone gets a bit more used to playing every day. 
Yeah, I mean, you can look at Zach McKinstry, who's slotted in really well. He's had some interesting plays out in uh, in right field as well. Um, and obviously, Chris Taylor's, you know, just replaced Mookie as, as, as well as you can at the top of the order. Um, Ian C, so who's been your standout performer over the last week? Um, I mean, it's nice to see Turner playing well. Um, and I, for me, it's more of a collective. Um, you know that, that I think. You know, we we talked on the first podcast that the preseason, you know, looked a little bit rusty, a bit clunky. Whether any that was one of our topics, you know, were any concerns? You know, you look at the, you look at the, the 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 results so far, and you say, well, actually, yeah, preseason was just preseason, and they've clicked on and are, and are doing okay. Um, and I, I think I think the um, you know the runners in scoring position, I think I think. Ian's right. I think it's better to have them than than, than not. Clearly, and we're a, a couple of hits away from from turning those into some pretty decent scores. Um, yeah, I, look, if you if you'd said at the start of the season, you know, would would you take this as a record a couple of weeks in? Well, yes, I would. So, <laughs> if for no other reason, because I think they give or take on for the um, 106 wins <laughs> I predicted. So, um, yeah, I, I I think I think as a, it's a it's a good collective effort, which is, uh, I think you're right, Ian, that the starting pitching has been very good in a few of the games. So um, other than a couple of injuries, but we've always said, I think, again, on the first podcast, you know, the, the depth of the squad and the ability when it is sort of next man up for somebody to just come in and, and slot in and, you know, any team is going to miss someone like Bellinger or Betts, but but we only seem to have slightly missed them, not massively missed them, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I'm sitting here very very relaxed and very happy with where they are so far as somebody who generally tends to be quite pessimistic about all sport. Yeah, I think that that's an excellent point, really. Um, obviously, you know, the Dodgers are pretty well known for sort of starting the season pretty slowly and then sort of ramping things up. Uh, you can look at 2017, uh, where they exploded in, in, in June and July into an incredible run. Uh, 2018 was a very slow start where we were sort of carried by Matt Kemp for a large portion of that, that season. Um, so far, I mean, the, 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 probably the biggest weakness that I think we face is, is potentially the bullpen. Um, got guys like Jimmy Nelson and David Price who have struggled a bit. Do you think their form is, is, is a concern at the moment? I mean, obviously, just thinking back to those guys, um, they didn't pitch last year. Um, so, you know, they're coming back from an injury. Uh, Scott Alexander's sort of struggled a little bit as well. Um, do you think there's any any moves going to be made with regards to Bruce Starr and Joe Kelly being reintroduced to the bullpen going forward? I can see them trying those probably sooner rather than later. I mean, bullpen has been something that's been a, up and down over the years anyway, as I guess it is for a lot of clubs. Um, yeah, I could see Kelly certainly getting in sooner. I, I think it's good. Um, it's a bit like the Ryder Cup, isn't it? You don't want to leave anybody so that they've not played at all when you go into the final day singles. And, you know, you got the... The, the, the noisy neighbours just down the road sort of coming up over the next couple of weeks, you know, to the extent you can have had, everybody had a bit of a go beforehand and then you've, you've got the, the, the depth that you need it. So, um, yeah, I could see Kelly in particular coming in sooner rather than later. Lazy, any, any thoughts on that matter with the, uh, the bullpen at all? Yeah, I mean, I think um, the only injury that we have at the moment that concerns me more than a little bit is Brewstar, um, is Brewstar Grasrol, uh, because we don't know anything about it. You know, he's he's not pitched all spring training. Um, he went on the IL just as the season, uh, just as the season was about to start, which obviously he can't go on the IL before then anyway. So we don't know when he's going to come back. He might not be back for a, a little while. Um, I think Kelly, as soon as he's as soon as he's fit, he comes back in again. You know, he's he's on big money. Um, yeah, he's not been he's not been Red Sox Kelly for the Dodgers. He hasn't, but he's not phased by anything. You know, and I think one thing we've seen a little bit with some of the guys coming back after some time off, it appears to be a little bit of nerves, a little bit of jitters. And I think this sometimes you've got to give um, Roberts a little bit of credit. Uh, he keeps going to Jimmy Nelson. Uh, and, he, and, he, and he goes to him in situations where he would go to him if he was firing on on all cylinders. Uh, and, it, you know, so he's basically saying, I trust you, you're going to figure this out. Uh, so, so, yeah, I think 
I think as we as we discussed last week, I think we've got pitches to come back in again. Um, I think I, th- I think the the late innings um, is is going to be something that I think we're going to see an, an evolution uh, in in the way that we handle that go, uh, going forward. I think I've sort of formed a a plan in my mind as to what I'd like to see happen, uh, and. Um, and 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 yeah, you know, I, I just think it's the bullpen's not been awesome, but it's not been terrible either by any stretch. There's been a couple of uh, a couple of wobbly bits, I suppose, to put it in the most British possible way I can. I can. Um, there's been a couple of a couple of wobbly bits here and there, but but generally speaking, it's been it's been solid enough. I've been really impressed once again with uh, Victor Gonzalez. Um, I just think he's. He just seems to be lights out. I know he had one bad outing, um, but generally speaking, he just seems to be lights out. Um, sometimes I'd like to see Roberts go to him for longer. He quite often likes to use him as a, as a loogie, or he's done it a couple of times this year. He's gone to him, um, you know, for the final out of an inning. And, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to see a bit of trust put in him to do, to do a bit more, I think. Do you think there's a, there's a possibility of Kenley potentially being replaced by Corey Canabel, who, who came in on, on, was it Friday night? I think and sort of threw ten pitches and, and closed out the game and, and looked fantastic. Um, uh, having looked, having you know performed that role with the Brewers previously. Well, I mean, we've got three experienced closers, uh, you know, in that in that team because um, we've obviously we've got Trinan as well. Uh, I, it's a possibility, yeah, sure. Um, I still think that I still think that Johnson is the guy that Roberts will go to. Uh, I think Roberts at this stage of the season is going to Janssen and working out what is possible. Um, he's had, as well as the poor outing the other night, um, he's had two perfectly good outings. You know, he's had a five-out save, which was like the Kenley of old. Um, and then I think because there were no save opportunities for the next few days, uh, he was then used as, as a random final inning um, when we were comfortably ahead, just to give him... Uh, just to give him a go and then Sod's Law came around and it was the same opportunity the next night. And I think Roberts just thought, right, let's see what he's got. Um, let's see if he, if he can do it. Now, we all think we know that he can't play on back-to-back days. And maybe that body of evidence has just grown a little bit more. So what I think will happen most likely um, is that Jansen will be gone to when he's had a day's rest most of the time. And then I think between Knable, maybe Trinan, they will cover they will cover the others. So I think although my my bold prediction last week was was Jansen to get the most saves in the NL, I, I think I probably got a bit carried away with that five out save. Um and I think he probably won't get probably won't be anywhere near that. I think he'll probably get around sixty percent of our save opportunities. And then the others will be split between Knable and maybe Trinan. Unless he's just going to keep trying as the out and out saves guy, but let's let's be honest, any three of those guys are, you know, most teams would love to be able to go to, and we've got a choice of the three. Absolutely, I mean, we've got such good flexibility within the bullpen for moving pieces around. Um, with regards to the saves, um, I think as you say, the, the the starting pitching has been so good in the last week. I think it's seven earned runs uh, between them in since last Sunday. That's that's an incredible record. Um, and it's, it's really something, you know, a strength of the, of the side. Um, obviously, talking about Kenny, we'll, we'll, we'll go on to move on to that next subject. Um, and obviously, his struggles, that or perceived struggles um, with the Dodgers over the last couple of years. Um, obviously, you know, going back to 2017, he was a lights out guy for us. And he has, he's not that same guy anymore, though. I don't think there's any denying that. Um, there's a lot, there's been a lot of debate since the Oakland game about Kenny's role. And, and whether he's going to keep it sort of going forward uh, in C. Uh, do you think that's going to be a role which which Kenley will keep? Or do you, do you think it's it's now time to move on and and replace him as a closer full-time or, or work with, you know, a series of closers depending on the situation? I think I think it's too early for this season. Um, I was having a bit of a play around with them um, on baseballreference.com earlier and I was comparing his sort of career stats to a few notable closers, so Rivera and Eckersley and Hoffman and Gossage and Smith. And, you know, when you look at 
save percentage ERA, etc. Seasons with a save percentage of ninety percent or higher. He compares extremely well with all of all of those guys, and clearly they're all in the Hall of Fame and are you know sort of household names, as it were. Um, I think I think it's interesting that if you look at his his best season, and you've you've already mentioned twenty seventeen in terms of numbers of saves from saves opportunities um he had a relatively low number of of games on on no days rest um so he was a he was down at 23 percent of his appearances were on no days rest and he's averaging across his career about 27 percent so i think there is some there's definitely something in the you know using wisely rather than using repeatedly and i think the depth in the bullpen and the experienced or the other experienced closers that we've got there I think can play a play a big part in that with a bit of a, a, a rotation basis um, he has he has dropped before when you look at his stats and then bounced back um, so dropped 2015 to 2016 he dropped down a bit and then bounced back obviously in 2017 so we, we have sort of been there before um, so where we are now I would I, I would still see him as being the sort of the number one go-to player when when they're in a, a save situation but only if he's not pitched the day before yeah I think going yeah as you say I mean it's it's the curse of the close they're always going to go through bad spells and if they do blow a save the game he's already you know he falls on their shoulders where as you know other, other bullpen arms props don't have that sort of pressure where Kenley has carried that for you know for such a long time for the Dodgers now and he probably deserves that bit more respect in my opinion than he gets across sort of Dodgers Twitter sometimes um, the guy clearly cares a lot for the team. You can see, you know, in, in his social media posts, how happy he was when, you know, as as they all were to win a World Series ring. But he's been there so sort of long. Um, and I, I think there is, you know, a, a, a place for Kenley going forward. Uh, Bleasy, if it did come to the situation where the Dodgers decide to replace Kenley, is there any, anyone outside of the uh, the club that you'd like to see the Dodgers make a move for? Um, No. I think we've got what we need. Uh, I think we've got what we need. I think we've we've spent big money on closers before from outside the club, uh, and it's not always gone well. Uh, and I think we've seen uh, we've seen other clubs make similar mistakes. Uh, I will mention Craig Kimbrell really briefly, but obviously he's he's come back a little bit uh, this this year, I think, and he's uh, he's doing he's doing okay. Um, I actually don't know. I haven't looked at the Cubs, but my brother-in-law mentioned that he's a big Cubs fan. Um, now I know the Cubs generally haven't been very good, but I think uh, I think Kimbrel's looked good in his in his save opportunities so far. Um, so I think to, to to invest quite a lot of money in, in someone outside of the club to come in and replace, uh, you know, I'd, I'd rather go with the devil we know than the devil we don't. Uh, and I think we've we've got. Two obvious candidates we've already discussed, and then I think we've probably got two or three more that are currently in the uh, currently on the on the roster um, who could who could come in and do it. And then, goodness knows about what we've got, you know, in, in terms of depth further through the organisation as well. Um, but no, I, I don't think I'd be rushing out to to, to replace him should he uh, should, should he should he lose his job. I think we've got other people that can do a job. I might change my mind once he loses his, you know, if he loses his job, and then we hand the ball to Blake Trinan, and that goes wrong, and then we hand the ball to Knebel, and then that goes wrong, and then we hand the ball to May, and that goes wrong, and then we hand the ball to Urias, and then that goes wrong. But let's worry about that when it happens. There's an awful lot of options to go wrong before we need to look outside the organisation. Yeah, and certainly if you look going back to those that list of names I mentioned earlier, in, who are in the Hall of Fame, you look at Kenley's age and compare it his age to their age when they were still pitching, you know, we could have another 10 years out of him just, just based on age. You know, he may not have had all of the, the, the greatest of health or injuries, but, um, but, you know, they could have him for many more years just based on that sort of longevity kind of piece. So, um, yeah, I would, I would be sticking with him. And, and, and as Ian says, I wouldn't be doing anything to, to bring in ex- external support either at this stage. I think we've, we've got the depth that we need. It's, it's more a case of how we use it rather than have we got it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something we saw last season in the postseason with the, the use of uh, Hulo Urias in, you know, in, in three innings sort of saves or holds and that sort of thing. There's there's enough sort of flexibility within the pitching staff to shift extremely good pitchers around into, you know, different positions. 
obviously you don't really go into the uh, the postseason with with a five man roster anyway, uh, pitching roster. Um, so you know, as I say, I'm, I'm quite comfortable with with Kenny sort of as it is at the moment. Um, the next big question with regards to Kenny is: Do the Dodgers re-sign him uh, once his contract's up? Or do you think this is probably his last sort of dance with 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 the team? I think it depends. Well, as as I said, I I think the, the sample size is too too. If you wanted to make a call to drop him, I think the sample size is, is way too low at this stage to make that call. And I think it's it's the same for the contract. I think if he if he has a, a, another solid strong season, um, yeah, I, wh- why wouldn't you? I think I think particularly if you can keep some of the other pieces. You know, if you if you had him, if you ended up losing some of the other experienced closers, and it was kind of where well, you've got him, or where we're scrapping around a little bit trying to find somebody, and there's the greater potential for him to be used on back-to-back days more often, then you might be worrying. But I think as a as a, as an important piece in that kind of closing jigsaw, then yeah, I'd I'd, I'd keep him around. Yeah, same question, Julian. Yeah, uh, do you think it's going to be sort of a situation where the Dodgers are actively looking to to re-sign Kenley? at the end of his contract. I mean I think he's earned he's earned the right to be offered something, you know, based on what he's based on what he's achieved over the years so far. Obviously it's all with a closer, it's always about what's happening now. Uh, as Ian says, it's what's happened this year is an incredibly small sample size. He's pitched, I think, three times. He's pitched well twice and pitched badly once. Uh, I must admit this outing was a bit different. In the past, when we've seen him, where we've seen him uh, blow saves on occasion, it's been hits or it's been low velocity, uh, and it's, you've seen teams get on top of him. This was a complete loss of control, which isn't something that has happened to him before. So actually, you know, it's potentially it's nothing, absolutely nothing. Potentially, it's just you know he didn't warm up very well, and it and it and it and he didn't get the results on on the mound. I still think there's a chance for him to to pick up plenty of saves this season. I still think he's got the chance to earn a contract with us next year. I don't think it'll be five years. I don't think it'll be probably four years. I think the way the way uh, save getters closers have been have been going in recent years, it tends to be high average value, one year, two year, and we've seen that with the deal we offered to McGee last year, Trinan last year, and Trinan's now got another two years with us. Um, I think Knavel's got two years, I think. Um, and um, and it, and if you look at looking at the other closers that have that have signed elsewhere in the off season, they've all got higher high average value um, on, on short term deals. So I think there's potential for that. For that, obviously at the moment he's coming to the end of a quite uh, expensive longer term deal. So I think I, I think I, I can see his offering him you know, a reasonable amount to stay around for one or two more years more, assuming he turns things around this year. And if he does, well, it could be a bidding war, let's be honest. There aren't many closers with his record in the league. I mean, I think, as we've all touched on, I think we've, I feel we've got enough sort of strength and depth to cover the occasional loss, uh, be it Kenley, be it sort of Jimmy Nelson, be it one of the starting pitchers having a bad day. Um, I still think we'll get enough wins to not for it not to be a massive problem and we've got enough depth for the postseason to, to sort of take it forward as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was say, the, other, the other thing with Kenley where he where he might be suffering, um, it could be premature aging due to his catching exploits uh, earlier in his career. You know, it's a very physically demanding position, and it could be that that's catching up with him in in one way or another. Uh, ca- catching's insanely hard, and I think they know a lot more now about how to coach that position to to to. Uh, limit the damage than they probably did when Kenley started playing in uh, well all those years ago. I, mean, I think um, in Curacao, uh, I think they start playing baseball uh, before they can walk. Um, <laughs> you know, it's 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 the nas- it's very much the national pastime there. Um, and I don't know when he started catching, but obviously he did spend a lot of time as a catcher before he moved to pitching. Um, and I think that could be another factor for him. Could be that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's that, there's that fantastic stat with um, Kirsch when he threw the save against the uh, the Nationals in 2017. His previous save was pitching to to Kenley as his catcher. So that yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's just, you know, you say catching is a very tough position. Uh, you saw it with sort of legends like Joe Mara who had to move to first base because of the you know the physical demands of, of that position. 
Um, so it could be, you know, it could be a wear and tear. You're obviously everyone's going to slow down a little bit the older they get. So, yeah, I think in conclusion, I think we're all quite comfortable with Kenny at this point, uh, in the especially in this this early the early days of the yeah. season. Um, now, yeah, moving on to uh, our next subject. Uh, there was news break this week uh, by the Athletic that several of the balls used by Trevor Bauer during his start in Oakland have been sent for further analysis by the MLB. Uh, Bauer has, of course, been very vocal throughout the last couple of years about the use of foreign substances by pitchers across the league. Um, so it's kind of, you know, MLB, it feels to me at this point that they're almost targeting Bauer a little bit because he was so vocal. He's obviously the one that's been speaking up. He's obviously, you know, he had a, a massive increase in his spin rate. Uh, and as people point out, he basically told the league that he's going to start using foreign substances. Um, do you feel that this is the league targeting Trevor Bauer to, to quiet him up a little bit? Um, I don't know whether it's the league targeting him or the media targeting him or, or so, sections of social media targeting him. I mean, he's, he's, as is always the case when you have somebody who's, not exactly a quiet, shy, retiring type and is happy to share opinions quite vocally, quite often they can be targeted. I, I was, you know, there's, I've not seen that they've said they're only targeting him and certainly looking at the, um, I was looking at, there was a, a, an article in the New York Times from the start of this month um, when they were looking at it and they quoted a, a memo from Michael Hill, who's a senior VP of baseball operations. And he went through the whole process in terms of increased scrutiny and inspection and blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, it's a, it's a baseball wide thing. They just happen to be, you know, whether they're, so I don't think they're necessarily targeting Bauer more than anybody else, but I suspect they're leaking the fact that they have taken his balls more than anybody else, if you see what I mean. Um, so I suspect if you counted out how many balls they've got from from various starting pitches around the league, I suspect they haven't got too many more of his compared to anybody else. They're just letting people know that they've got it. And, and you know, he's, he's vocal, which will, as I said earlier, which will get people maybe not necessarily on his side. Um I think that you, know, you wonder whether you know a number of the LA players were pretty vocal of the lack of punishment of a certain team from a couple of years ago, uh, and quite critical of how the league was treating them. Whether there's whether that's going to come back as well, and there's a couple of scores to be settled. I don't know, but I think it, it seems pretty, again, pretty early in the process. And let's wait and see, you know, what they find, if anything, from him or anybody else, and then then how they um, how they respond i think part of it will be you know if they, if if they're finding problems are they then reacting on in a consistent basis you know if they banned him for 60 games or something and the next person they banned for two games then you know it's a bit of a bit of targeting going on uh, yeah i mean it's it's a very good point about how they implement any punishments if if they decide any are necessary Obviously, as you, as you touched upon there, the Astros weren't really punished for, for their wrongdoing in, uh, in 2017 and, and going into 2018 as well. Bleasy, uh, do you think if they are do find a significant spin rate and they, they do find evidence that Bauer and other pitchers are manipulating the ball, um, do you, what sort of punishments do you think they'll implement to put a stop to the, the perceived issue? I mean, it could be anything. Um, I, look at the, I look at the sticky balls issue, um, if you like, uh, kind of the same way I look at the steroid era. Everyone knows it's happening. Everyone knows it's going on all over the league and the league have now decided to do something about it. The, the data that's out there is overwhelming um, in, in, you know, to, to support a statement that many pitchers, the majority of pitchers, I think, have, have started to use substances on their hand to increase the spin rate of, of, of the balls. I think... Um, Trevor Bauer has been very vocal in criticizing certain pitches. He's, you know, he's quoted about how their spin rates have gone up from this to this. Uh, and after in, in a post-game interview, he as good as admitted that he did it for one inning about two or three years ago, I think when he was with the Indians, because he wanted to know if it made that much of a difference. Um, and someone asked him about it and he didn't exactly deny it. So I'm not surprised he's been targeted. Um, whether it be by whether it be by the media, because I don't think he has. Although he's very accessible to the media, he doesn't have the best relationship with them. You know, he's a bit of a quirky guy, as we've discussed before. Uh, he's named names. He's been. Oh, he he was actually incredibly critical of the Houston Astros and the lack of punishment given to them as well. So, 
I think if MLB are going to go after him, then I can understand that. If he's done something, then I can understand it. However, I would expect that they need to go after everybody else in the league with the same vigour that they're going after him with. Because if something like 70-odd percent of starting pitchers are doing this, then they can't go, oh, we found one person. Um, I know that... um, I don't know if you guys remember the 1994 World Cup, football World Cup, uh, when Diego Maradona was playing uh, in, in the USA. He played, he played in his last, his last tournament for Argentina. And it's the only time ever that um, a drugs official has gone onto the pitch and walked off with a player hand in hand down the tunnel to get a drugs test. Um, and that was Diego Maradona's last ever game at that level. He was obviously targeted. Now, don't get me wrong. He was also clearly coked off his mind. So, he, you know, it, you, you can't dispute that. But it was, it's an example of, 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 a, of, of targeting. Um, and I think that... I think MLB need to make a decision. Are they going to ban it? Are they going to go after everybody? Are they going to end up... If they give Bauer a 60-day ban, are they going to give Garrett Cole? Are they going to give... Um, Bieber, anybody else that they've that you know that, that's been suspected of of suddenly making drastic spin rate improvements over the last two or three years, uh, you know, are they, are they going to go after them with the, with the same with the same vigor? And if they're not, then what are they doing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was listening to the, the Starting Nine podcast, and, and Dallas Braden, ex pitcher for the Athletics, made a very good point, and and he basically said that it's not just the the pitchers who have pine tar on them. Um, he says that the, the, the catchers, their pads are, are slathered in pine tar. There was a very famous incident with Yadier Molina where the, the ball stuck to the front of his chest protector. So there's clearly something going on with, you know, with the gear that he's wearing. He says that infielders have it on their arms as well. So I think it's, it's probably a broader issue as well. Is it that much of concern uh, to MLB uh, in, in terms of offence? We see more home runs than we ever do. Um, it, makes, it does make for more interesting pitch movement as well, in my opinion. Um, it, it's kind of... I guess it's finding that happy medium really where they aren't doing too much and, and making it sort of a superhuman uh, performance uh, on the mound. Um, I, think, I think you're right. Is You know, the home runs are, are kind of through the roof and, and, and all the rest of it, which, you know, so people have got to, you know, they adapt so that the, the bats are batters, whether the balls are juiced or whatever, but, but, you know, the pitchers are having to adapt to the batting. I think there's also going back to this, New York Times article I mentioned earlier, David Ross is quoted in it and he, and he does, you know, say, look, there is a legitimate safety issue here in terms of obviously improved grip does enable you to, to, to throw a better targeted ball, I guess. So, um, you know, if you suddenly have nothing on it and you've got a sweaty hand and lack of grip, are we going to see more bats from being, being hit by pitches? I, I don't know, but um, it's, uh, I think, I think, yeah, you, you're right to refer it back to the sort of steroids era. And I think they've, yeah, they've got a, I'm not aware. I've not seen anything where they've actually come out and said what the sort of punishments would be. So I think they've got to kind of establish what the, what the baseline is and then, and then take it from there and, 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 and work it through. Um, but um, I just feel a bit like Bauer's being targeted at the moment though. Yeah. I'll, I'll come back to you on the, uh, on the, on the home runs, uh, on the, on the home runs totals at the moment. So obviously MLB said something uh, basically having denied for years that the balls were juiced and it was just down to drive line and better hitting and all that kind of stuff. They then announced that they were going to, do something to the ball and revert to using the old one. Um, and uh, I was actually listening to another podcast uh, the other day. It was the Johnny and Josh podcast. Uh, and they were talking about how actually the uh, over since 2017, I think it was when home runs peaked 2019, 2018. Anyway, in the recent years, home runs peaked in terms of number of at bats in between home runs. Um, and it's actually gone down again now. So it's got, so, so I say gone down, it's gone up. So whatever MLB have done to the baseballs does appear to have reduced the home runs. So if pitchers aren't giving up as many home runs because MLB are deducing the ball and they're allowed to use yeah. super sticky grip aids, you know what's a you know what's a career slugger um, going to try and do? You know I think uh, I, I've seen Trevor Story a few times uh, this year. Looks like he's hit an absolute bullet um, off the bat. 
and it rocks up just onto the warning track. Uh, and Trevor Story is capable of hitting the ball 500 feet, as we've seen before. Um, I'm not saying he does that for every home run, but you know it looks like he's a home run. So they seem to make the same noise. They seem to come off the bat at the same velocity. They're just not flying through, flying through the air as well. So I think it will be interesting to see uh, how they how they balance that. Because obviously steroids were never a problem until they were a problem until you know. Yeah, and, and it's uh, interesting. It's interesting why it's why it's now because there's there's a switching sports again to the, going to the NFL. You know, there's the the TV series the America's Game where they feature you know they do a one-off special on whoever won the Super Bowl the year before. And there's there's one from the the Raiders in the some point in the seventies. I forget which year it is. And they're talking about the use of stickum. And they're just literally covered in this stuff. You know, they've got it all over their gloves, over their arms, over the pad. So that was back, you know, 30, 40 years ago in the NFL. And then, of course, they, they outlawed it. So if it's something similar in, in MLB, now, granted, the use of it might have become accelerated or more widespread in the last few years. But it's interesting that it was an issue in one sport and highly publicized many years ago and then banned. Um, and MLB just kind of carried on until now for some reason. I think what they did with the Astros and the lack of punishment there puts them in a difficult position if there is a serious issue because everyone's just going to point straight back to the, the lack of punishment for the Astros if anyone takes you know gets a substantial ban or fine. So, I mean, I think the, the Astros thing, and don't get me wrong, this is this is in no way meant to sound like I'm sticking up for the Astros because I'm as angry as anybody else in the world about it. But we would never have found out about the depth that that club went to in order to cheat without the players being offered immunity um you, you know uh, and you know what the, the punishment was rubbish it, it really was you know it was you know a year's ban for a manager who actually tried to stop it but maybe not hard enough um and i think uh, there was a year's ban for uh, carlos beltran uh, and uh, alex cora uh, as as well as 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 ringleaders uh uh, in that, but it was nothing. It was, it wasn't enough. And I could talk about that all day, and I won't go down that rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> but without MLB doing what they did, we would never have known yeah, that's about point. the illegitimacy of their title. We would, you know, we'd never, we would never have known about about what they did throughout that season. So. With Bauer, from my point of view, it almost feels like he's he's willing the MLB to to contact him and 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 take him on. He's as I say, you know, he's he's very vocal. He, he pretty much records everything he does. And is is that Bauer trying to get his immunity to to open up, you know, a Pandora's box to say this guy's doing it, this guy's doing it, investigate this guy, stop them, and and, and I'll stop as well. Do you think that's a potential route that that Bauer's going down? I'm not sure. I mean, he's definitely he's definitely not afraid of being controversial. He's definitely not afraid of the limelight. He's definitely not afraid to say things that that, that, other, that others wouldn't. I I don't think at this stage of his career that he's that he's out to set a fire under himself to the point that he could never escape from it. I, I think he's basically got to the stage where he's like, right, well, everyone else is cheating, so I'm going to. Uh, and I think that's I think that's kind of it. I just think he's a bit he, he's just a bit obnoxious, isn't he? Basically, it's, it's the, the the message he delivers is probably the right message. It's the it's the style of delivery that's probably the that's the, the bit that, that annoys annoys people. Just going back to his style, how do you feel he's done with the Dodgers so far? I mean, he's obviously had a couple of you know. I think he had a ten and a nine strikeout game. Uh, he's given. Uh, I was going to say, while ever he's delivering and, and being a team player, then that you know you, you can chuck out all the smack talk you like. To, well, not you like, but you know if you're delivering on the pitch and doing your job, I think you've got a bit more freedom than if you're having a nightmare and being pulled after two and a bit innings every game. Please, how, how do you feel, Bowers? Done? Do you think his body language can can be a bit funny sometimes on the mound? I mean, it can be. You know, he likes his he likes his struts. He likes um, there was. Uh, in his first start, I think it was, um, he had like a weird sort of face-off with one of the opposition players. I can't remember who it was. I think it was uh, Rymel Tapia, I think it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was actually, yeah. Um, and like, you know, the next day on Twitter, people are saying, well, you know, he's, you can't criticise. Something else happened that night in MLB. It's obviously, it's a bit, it's a bit of time ago now. I can't remember. Um, but something else happened that night. And um, it was one of our followers on Twitter 
sort of said, well, you guys can't criticise something else while you've got Bauer behaving like that. And I can't remember what the incident was, but it was the two incidents weren't really comparable for me. I um, think I think it was a reference back to um, the drum bangers. I, I seem to remember that tweet, and it was you can't criticise them if you've got Bauer in your team. Yeah, yeah, which which, which isn't really no, it's not apples and apples. They're not, they're not at all comparable. You know. No, uh, <laughs> it's amazing how often that sort of thing comes back. Actually, oh. you know, it's like well, well, you know, you you can't still be mad at Houston because uh, because of Bauer or because of Justin Turner having COVID and coming out onto a field, and you're just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably fair to say that a lot a lot of Dodgers fans are sort of are fairly critical of Trevor Bauer's behaviour in the past as well. Uh, and he doesn't, we wouldn't say necessarily has the full support of the fan base. Um, you know, if he behaves with us, you know, and, and he is performing and he doesn't do any any silliness um, or cause any trouble, you know, we can't really complain from, from that point of view about his time with us. I think if he keeps doing what he's doing, 19 strikeouts in, in two starts, he can probably do what he likes and get away with it, to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, Joe Kelly didn't pitch particularly well, but we all love him because of the Houston thing <laughs> last year. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, you know, that's, that's that's kind of where I sit on it. You, you, if you've got someone who is, I mean, I'm not condoning the, the cheating side of it, um, but in terms of his general behaviour and the and the and the demeanour and the attitude towards opposition players, I think if he's if he keeps delivering as a fan base, we'll just put up with it, won't we? We'll just be like, yeah, actually, I quite. You know, he he is a bit of a fool, but we like him for it. Well, all, all sport has got players like that, hasn't it? That if they're on your team and they're performing, then you're fine with them. But they're the kind of player you love to hate if they're playing for somebody else, particularly if they're playing against you. And it's and every sport's got them. I think for the uh, for the football fans on the uh, listening in, he's, he's the Robbie Savage of, of, of baseball, <laughs> performing at a slightly higher level than Savage did. You love him when he's on your side. You hate him when he's not. One of my good friends growing up um, was a was a big Blues fan, big Birmingham City fan, and he absolutely hated Robbie Savage. And then he signed for Birmingham for was it a year or two? Um, uh, yeah, he was there with three, for three years until he uh, yeah, moved off in dodgy circumstances. Yeah, he he yeah, but he, he loved him. Well, you know that that first couple of years when he was there, and he was you know, and he was marshalling the midfield. <laughs> absolutely loved him at that point, but then. Uh, did he go to Blackburn or something? I can't remember what he Yeah, did, he moved to Blackburn. Yeah. He came with an excuse about him moving closer to his parents, but with Google Maps, you can measure that fairly easily. And he'd move further away. And it, I mean, it's something that he's since apologised for, but he's, he's still pretty hated in, in Birmingham and most of the country, to be fair. Yeah, everything on this podcast, we've moved on from uh, from, from baseball now into uh, into Midlands football, Midlands and Lancashire football teams. <laughs> I, I was just going to, if I may, just go back one final quick, quick story, if I may, on this the dodgy dodgy balls just again back to this new york times thing because they've got a great bit at the end here um gaylord perry a star right-hander was so synonymous with doctrine of balls that his 1974 autobiography was called me and the spitter the confession didn't derail him as he continued to pitch until 1983 won 314 games and was elected into the hall of fame in 1991 so uh, how times change so what we're saying trevor bower in the hall of fame for 2035. Uh, it's just this point, isn't it? You know, you can get away with every whatever you want while everybody else is doing it and whatever it's condoned. And then at some point, the league turns around and says, we don't like it anymore. Yeah, there's, quite a, there's quite a history of it in MLB. There's, you know, there's, there's always been things, you know, I think um, I'll, I'll, not throw, I'll not throw any names out there. Um, but, you know, there's, there's the whole greenies thing of the, of the 60s and 70s where they were taking things that they felt helped their reflexes so that they could, relax, re- they could react to fastballs better. Obviously, we then had the you know the steroid era. Um, now, steroids are harmful to your health, so I so I get that. I totally get it. Um, and but I imagine that there are plenty of players that took steroids that only did that because everyone else was doing it, and it wasn't a level playing field. And and I think MLB always kind of it's all, it just seems to always be a decade or so, well, five five to ten years behind what the actual problem is. Yeah. So. I think it's a competitive sport. I think everyone's always looking for that competitive advantage. Yeah. Be it, you know, pine tar, be it an Apple Watch, be it an iPad, there's, there's all, or even a trash can, uh, if you've got one of those handy. It's always going to happen. This is just the current controversy that we're, yeah. we're facing, which I'm sure, I can't see there being massive punishments. There'll probably be minor rule changes, but I think going forward, 
we won't see that many changes uh, from this uh, from this particular issue. Um, moving on uh, ourselves, so we're going to have a quick look at the week ahead for the Dodgers. I think Ian's had a quick look at the UK friendly times. I think it's looking a bit sparse this week. Yeah, so the next uh, the next uh, UK friendly game is uh, Sunday away in uh, away in San Diego. I think it's at ten past nine uh, on uh, on MLB TV. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the next one. Fortunately, we've not got another another three game week like we had last week uh, to enjoy. But um, but yeah, I mean that series away at away at the Padres. Going to be spicy. I mean, it's, I guess it's the first time that we can truly test the name of the podcast against our uh, ambitions as Dodger baseball fans. Um, it's going to be an interesting week. Um, I think we're starting off with the Rockies uh, for three at Dodger Stadium, and then yeah. up to uh, or oh, down to San Diego. Uh, and I think that's a series that everyone in baseball is going to be watching. Be interesting to see if it seems like a like a an away game or a home game because certainly the last however many years, it seemed quite often like a home game going down there with the turnout or lack of from the respective fan bases. It was Dodger Stadium South. I think it was Chris, and I've seen it Chris on Twitter. Yeah. Um, I think that, that was uh, Alana Rizzo, I think, called it that. Yeah. Um, I think going back to the, the attendance at those games, I think the Padres have been very active in, in encouraging their season ticket holders not to resell the tickets to Dodgers fans. Um, I think they've offered them incentives and gifts to turn up and not resell them on the open market but having seen some of the prices that tickets are going for on StubHub I'd be quite happy to sell how do we see the week going obviously the Rockies uh, you know they've lost Arenado we saw them uh, for the opening series I, I think we're going to get some wins there I think obviously the Padres series is going to be a bit tougher uh, in that they're going to be right up for it um, this is their first proper chance to, to show us what they've got to get a little bit of revenge for the uh, the NLDS uh, last year. Ian, uh, Blazy, uh, what, what do you think uh, we're going to do over the next week? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be... It, I think the Rockies, uh, if things go as expected, uh, the Rockies are going to run into Bauer, Bueller and Arias. Um, I just can't see the Rockies scoring the runs that they'll need to to... To, to take us down, so I, I can I can see that one being 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 a three game sweep. So I'm quite confident. I'm quite confident on that part. I mean, we touched on this earlier in terms of the in terms of the offense, I mean, and although we were not scoring the runs, we've I think got uh, something like uh, uh, I think we've got six guys hitting above above uh, five guys hitting above three fifty, uh, and another two hitting above three hundred. So we're gonna hit. Um, we're, we're going to hit the Rockies. They haven't got they haven't got a great deal of pitching. Um, we have, um, so I just can't see that. I can't see the Rockies uh, coming back coming back against us at all. Um, we seem to always drop the first game of this the first game of the season against the Padres, though. We just seem to always do that. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, I don't think we'll, I don't think we'll lose the series, but um, we seem to just always lose that first game against them. Maybe Dustin May's got something to say about that. And uh, what about your prediction for the the record for the week ahead? Yeah, so going from got the five games. Yeah, so five games, um, three at home against Colorado, two away at two away at San Diego. Uh, I think four four one, four and one. Okay, now, Ian, Ian, see how do you think we're going to do this week? Um, obviously, I think everyone's really looking forward to that um, the Padres series. You know, yeah, and they've they've got a series against the Pirates, an away series against the Pirates leading up to that. So um, the Pirates aren't doing a great deal. So they 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 could be rolling into us having had a good series against them. All right, they might have a bit of travel, but but a good series against them. So as, as Ian says, they'll be up for it anyway. They might be on a bit of a roll. I I I I could see us losing that series against them, and then turning them over when we get them back in LA the following week. But I, I think, um, I think we'll, I don't think we'll sweep the Rockies. I think, I think we'll win the series, but I don't think we'll sweep them. And then I think we'll have split the first two games against San Diego. So I'm going to go for a, a, a three, two record over those five games. Excellent. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking the same. I think we always sort of seem to have the odd bad day against sort of, you know, teams like the Rockies. Uh, where we'll, we'll roll in, we'll win the first two games of the series, and we just won't turn up for the uh, for the final game. Um, the Padres series, I think everyone's going to be up for it, be it a Dodger, be it a Padre. 
Um, it's as I said before, it's it's the one that everyone wants to watch. It's a you know it's a chance for both teams to really you know stamp their authority on on this division at a very early stage. Um, I think we'll lose one against the Padres this week, and I, as I said, I think we'll lose one against the Rockets. So I'm going to go for three two as well. I think going back to last week's prediction, I think it was a uh, uh, Blazy and uh, Adam Leg who got the, uh, the the correct predictions um, of four and one. Um, myself and Scott failed quite badly. Um, uh, well, I think um, yeah. I mean, we, obviously, we, we have to disregard because obviously we included tonight's fixture, uh, tonight's fixture in there. So yeah, I, I think we could actually all be right after tonight's game. Uh, so because um, you you guys went for, I say we couldn't all be right at the same time. But um, uh, but yeah, you guys, you and Scott went for four and two. We're currently sitting at uh, we're currently sitting at four uh, four and one, uh, and and uh, Adam and I went for went for five and one. Um, so yeah, I think in the future we just need to remember to not include the uh, the Sunday night game in the in the prediction, so yeah. we can uh, so so we can actually complete it and have a decisive winner going forward. We'll have a prize for the winner and a forfeit for the loser. Um, <laughs> we decided on Twitter, uh, which could be something quite horrific uh, <laughs> at the end of the day um, but it keeps it, it, it fun so yeah it's a big week ahead for the uh, for the Dodgers uh, as, as, as we say facing the Padres big game tonight against Max Scherzer um, but things are looking up I think we're all generally quite pleased with, with where we stand at the moment definitely definitely yeah yeah, excellent. Uh, There's plenty, plenty of teams in worse positions. Exactly. Yeah, we, you know we, we're quite strong. There's a someone's put together an American um, Premier League table at the moment, and we're on top of that. Um, so we'll, we'll get that tweeted out because it's, it's very interesting <laughs> to look at. Um, obviously, you know you got the Pirates down the bottom. We're at the top. So the, the natural order of things is uh, is looking good. Uh, that just about wraps it up for this week. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, if you've got any comments, drop us a comment on Twitter. Uh, you can find us at Dodgers in the UK. Um, and if you uh, enjoy what you're hearing, please uh, subscribe and leave a review if possible. As I mentioned last week, we've relaunched the Facebook group um, for Dodgers, and that can be found under Los Angeles Dodgers Fans UK. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Bye. See ya. <laughs>